So, Revelation chapter 22, starting at verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign for ever and ever. Well, good morning. It's uh, really good uh, to be uh, with you this morning. Lovely to see so many new faces um, as well as uh, familiar faces. What a glorious passage. Um, We're going to be really blessed uh, this morning uh, with what God is going to say. And uh, we need his help, so let's bow our heads and pray as we start. Father, we thank you so much uh, for your word in the Bible and this wonderful vision, this hope. Uh, that uh, Christians have, that this world longs for, uh, for fulfilment, deliverance, uh, hope. Lord, we pray that you would be speaking uh, to us this morning, working in our hearts, convicting us, challenging us, encouraging us, comforting us, and changing us, uh, that we may be able to live for you in light of this glory and where we're going. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I wonder how you felt um, last Sunday, uh, what you were thinking uh, and you were doing. It was New Year's Day, and you knew the following day was Bank Holiday Monday, and uh, there was no school to go to, no work um, for most people, I think. Um, so how you felt, what you did, um, and so on, would have been very different to what you will be doing this evening, because you know tomorrow is going to look very different. Um, going back to school, work, perhaps uh, long emails, uh, Christmas feels a long way away. Uh, f- you know, families have left, routines uh, start back up, um, having to face um, colleagues, um, and um, it's going to feel very different this evening. You're going to think differently, you're going to do differently. Because, see, the future, what tomorrow holds and looks like, determines how you feel, how you think, what you do today. And this glorious hope that we read in Revelation, in those five verses, those five glorious verses, my um, hope and prayer is that it's not just going to determine how we feel, what we think, uh, what we do today, this week, this month, uh, this year. But it's going to change. It's going to change our hearts, uh, give us a perspective um, that it will sustain us, motivate us um, for the rest uh, of the day and the week and the year ahead. 
Revelation uh, was written uh, by John um, from the glorious vision that he got uh, from uh, the Lord God. Um, he was uh, exiled on the uh, island of Patmos. It was around AD 95. And he wrote this vision uh, to the seven churches and believers everywhere uh, to encourage, to comfort, to assure, to show Christians um, who are weary, who are struggling, who are suffering at the time and today, where they're going, where they're heading, what the future looks like. In a world like today that was uncertain with affliction and struggle, injustice and uh, oppression, we live in a city of nine million people. But one of pandemics and discord, and we hear of war, pollution, loneliness. Uh, we live in a, a broken world. People are lost in the embrace of sin and suffering. And even in the leafy suburb of Worcester Park, where you know, it seems like we have everything, uh, we long, don't we, for fulfilment, deliverance, hope amidst the challenges, the struggles, sickness, death. We want a bigger, brighter, better future amidst all the strife. And as Christians, we, we feel small, don't we? Our voices are small in our culture and our world uh, today as uh, our city, our community goes further and further away from Christian values and from God. And so Revelation is a real gift from God. It's going to be a real blessing, the vision of hope that's going to strengthen us, deepen our faith, sustain us, encourage, comfort, exhort. Um, so we persevere patiently in this world, living sacrificially, speaking confidently of this hope. And perhaps you're new to Christian things, and you're looking for hope, deliverance, purpose, fulfilment. Well, my hope is that you'll find it here today. Uh, these are awesome five verses. Um, it builds on Revelation 21, uh, which was God's promise of making a perfect new creation and city where God will dwell with his people forever. God has renewed the creation. And this is the picture, a future garden city. It's the hope that we need. It's the hope that London needs. And there's three ways that we're going to see uh, this morning, uh, three ways that our faith is going to be sustained, that we're going to be motivated to proclaim this hope to a world longing for fulfilment, deliverance, and hope. Three ways are these. The river of life is the hope of God's spiritual sustenance. The tree of life is the hope of God's eternal salvation. And the servants of life is the hope of God's supreme kingly presence. So, river of life. Uh, let's start with that. The hope of God's spiritual sustenance. Just look at your Bibles. Uh, chapter 22, verse 1. Read with me. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So just as the river flowed in the original garden in Genesis 2 through Eden flowing out, watering the world, giving, uh, sustaining life. So the river of water flows through this city, this glorious future city, to bring life and sustain life to the nations around. Now think about water, H2O. It's the basic essential element that sustains life. We need it. We can't go... Without it, we need it to remain healthy, 
uh, to endure, to grow, to flourish. Without water, we die. And um, you no doubt remember the uh, heat wave uh, last year, 40 degrees, um, and around it was like 38. Just every hour, every 30 minutes, you're thirsting. You're wanting water. And then um, you get out a really nice ice-cold glass of water or bottle of water. Your your thirst is quenched. It feels great, doesn't it? Water sustains life. And the river of water sustains life. Remember the heat wave last year? Again, let's take our minds back. Probably the fields, this probably didn't look like the green leafy suburb, did it? Uh, when it didn't rain for ages. I know, you know, in our area, the pictures, the fields and so on, even trees, it looked autumnal in the heights um, of summer because there was no rain. But if you did go on holidays uh, to the country, perhaps walk by streams or rivers, you would have seen it was very different amidst the heat wave because the water sustains life. So it would have been green and lush and rich and beautiful. And not just the country, but even cities. Think about the capital cities of the world. Our great city, London. Uh, what is there around the River, the river Thames on the South Bank? Vibrance, energy, life. Paris around the River Seine. Many other capital cities of the world. Where there is water, where there's rivers, life. Water sustains life. But the unique thing about this picture... The river of life, so it represents the future of spiritual sustenance. See, every river has a source, a spring where it starts, sometimes mountain glaciers. But the source of the river of life, see, if you trace it back, it's the throne of God, the Lamb of God, who is the ultimate giver of life, who is our spiritual sustenance, isn't he, as Christians, for our faith to nourish us, to grow us. And all those rivers I named, and others, Amazon, Nile, our own river here in London, the Seine, they're, they're impure, they're unclean. I don't know if you've ever uh, swam in a river, but you come out more unclean than you do clean. But this river here, as clear as crystal, to keep us spiritually clean and pure. Jesus said, didn't he, to the Samaritan woman at the well, John 4, Verse 13, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. And we know what that's like. We drink water, a few hours later, you thirst again, you need more, you drink again to quench your thirst. But this river, watering the garden city, abundant, plentiful, there's so much of it, life-sustaining, you won't thirst Jesus said immediately after to the Samaritan woman, John 4 verse 14, but whoever drinks the water that I give will never thirst. Again, in a few verses down, Revelation 22 verse 17, let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. So how are we to respond this first glorious truth. Well, three R's. Realisation, recognition, redirection. Realisation. See, we've got to be realistic in our own hearts. Okay? Got to get real. You know, our natural desires and affections about placing our ultimate hopes and our fulfilment in things like 
money, success, jobs, relationships, um, places, material things. Because they will never live up to what they promise. They'll always disappoint. And even if they do, suppose they do, it's so momentary. It lasts for a moment and then subsides. And then you're thirsting for more. You're wanting to be quenched by it again. Uh, think about getting, getting a new gadget or something new that comes around in your hearts. You know, you're, you're really excited, you're using it and so on. And then what happens? A new updated version comes perhaps uh, three, six, nine months later, a year later. And then suddenly that, it's just, you want that, don't you? You desire for that. And then what you've got just pales in comparison. Are we relying on material things to sustain us? Realization and then recognition, our need for Jesus, not just the sustainer, but you saw the source of the river, the giver of life, the Lamb, for Christians. See, this is this all sounds very familiar, isn't it? It's up here. Uh, we know it, we believe it in here. But do we feel it? Do we live it out there? Our hearts can easily become spiritually dry. And we thirst. We're thirsting spiritually. So we need to recognise, do you see, that Jesus is the faith-sustaining, life-giving water that we need that quenches our thirsty souls, satisfies our desires deeply to fulfil us, to give us true contentment and our affections, not just in this life, but eternally. And uh, we're not, you heard this river of life, it's, it's abundant, it's flowing. Jesus, what he gives, never ending, but we're all feeling the effects of the cost of living crisis at the moment, aren't we? We've had to tighten up our household budgets, think twice uh, before uh, we buy anything. We need to spend our money wisely because everything has gone up. And the strikes is a symptom of it as we look around. I mean, I don't think I've ever. Um, had some, you know, waking up in the morning. Okay, who, who's striking today? Am I going to get? Is the post going to come? Am I going to be able to get into uh, London? Uh, someone WhatsApp me a um, a spread, a colour coded spreadsheet of who's striking in January. I don't think I've, that's ever happened before because people's pockets are depleted. They're looking for fulfilment and fullness. If you're here and not a Christian, what is sustaining you? Perhaps you are longing for a deep satisfaction, a fulfilment, a hope that you've looked around all your life, you've not found. Well, the Bible is very clear that you were made for a purpose, to know, to enjoy, to have relationship with the living God through Jesus. Do you see your need for him yet? And then the third R, redirect. Redirect our hearts, what we place our, our ultimate hope, the glorious future reality depicted in these verses, the river of life, where we will one day fulfil, have complete fulfilment and lasting satisfaction, which we'll be able to enjoy in all its fullness without any of the toils, the frustrations and the depletedness of this life. Let that spur us on to endure patiently and motivate us to speak, to share, to speak this hope to people around us who are looking for it, searching for it, longing for it.
This is the first thing. River of life, hope of God's spiritual sustenance. Secondly, tree of life, the hope of God's eternal salvation. Just look down with me, verse 2. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river, stood the tree of life. Notice, uh, what, what is the source of the... Uh, Tree, uh, how is the tree of life sustained? Well, it's, it's the river of life, isn't it? And where does that come from? The Lamb of God, the giver of life. And then you see the crops, the fruits, and the leaves. Verse 2, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. That signifies the constancy, the permanence through the year. One crop for every month. This tree of life gives nourishment to God's people eternally. And then the end of verse 2, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. They signify the salvation that is available to putting right what was wrong, the forgiveness of sins. The tree in the original garden in Genesis 2 was what sustained Adam and Eve and could have eternally, but then they ate the forbidden fruit, fruit, sin entered the world, death entered. The original garden, the tree was pointing forwards to the future of the cross. And this tree of life looks back at the cross when Jesus died and was buried to give life, eternal life. And so the fruits and the leaves, you see, they symbolise not just the cross in which Jesus uh, delivered us, but the healing, the the salvation that is free. The tree of life is the eternal salvation. Jesus freed us from the penalty of sin, death, and judgment for forgiveness, relationship with God, and life. That's the hope, the eternal salvation that we will enjoy. Jesus, the Lamb, shows this. Now, as Christians, we know this up here, don't we? We believe it in here. But we don't experience it. We don't feel it all the time because this world is broken. We live in a fallen world. Um, We experience the effects of sin in our own hearts, uh, which uh, comes out in our thoughts, what we say in our conduct, in our relationships. It's why we had to have the confession, isn't it? Coming to the Lord. And the Bible says the reason for this is muscle memory, the remnants of our own sinful natures. We know, don't we, in our heads, okay, we've gone through it time and time again. We know Jesus removed us from the penalty of sin, but we, we, we don't always feel it. We, we end up doing things and just think, just the guilt, why, why did I do that? I know, I know I should. That happened to you? It's happened to me. It happens. Okay, and we wrestle and we struggle. That's the effect of the Christian life, isn't it? Muscle memory. I remember vividly um, when I was... Um, Younger in uh, primary school, we had a, a headmaster who's very strict uh, headmaster and stuff. And there was this uh, from the classroom um, to the dining room. Uh, it was this really dark corridor, and his office was pretty close. And he'd sort of peek out as we were going for lunch, and uh, myself and all the uh, all the children, you know, just tucking our things, checking. Okay, creases away, uh, collars, all right. Um, it's what we did. And then there was a change. The strict headmaster left, replaced uh, by a head teacher, 
kind, generous. Things change. You know, we'd seen her on assemblies and so on, yet... You know, our behaviour, our conduct and so on, every time just walking through that corridor and just, you know, creases, are our shirts tucked in, we, you know, collars and stuff done. Why was that? Well, it's the muscle memory. Yes, we know up here. The head teacher's different. It's different. But we still behaved like the school was under the old headmaster. And that's the experience of the Christian life. We know, yes, Jesus has. He's freed us from the penalty of sin, death, and judgment. Yet, because we live in this world, in our attitudes and our conducts, we do those things. We sin. We wrestle. And you see, behaviours become habitual. Um, and then we become unconsciously competent at them and just do them, and then instinctive think how much, just our sinful natures, how much more we're going to do that. Do you see, that's why the Christian life is a struggle. That's why we wrestle. And the hope here, see, we know up here Jesus removed us from the penalty of sin. He's given up his spirit now so that the claws of the power of sin uh, cannot control us anymore but we still wrestle and we still struggle with our old natures but this future hope this glory one day there will come a day and it's going to be fantastic it's going to be great where the wrestling the struggle the battle the shame the guilt uh, the effects that we have of this world even though we we know it up here we won't experience it anymore we won't feel it It will be removed from the presence of sin forever. How great is that day going to be? Think about that. The eternal salvation that you'll experience in all its fullness. To the nth degree. Permanent deliverance in the new perfected world. How great will that be? There'll be some here struggling, bruised, weary, needing to hear this, the assurance that this gives. It's an inheritance. It's yours. It's secure. And each day we live, we get one step closer. And you know, when we mess up, and we will, we don't need to feel guilt or shame. Just go before the Lord with a sincere heart and ask for forgiveness. And that the Spirit of the Lord is in us that enables us to repent to change because in this life if we're trusted in Jesus the grips of the power of sin are no more and maybe you're listening and, and you know all of this but you don't believe yet because you, you, you think the world can offer you better uh, a better deliverance than uh, Christianity and you you're worried about missing out um, and so you haven't quite taken that step of faith and that trust and put your trust in him it is great being a Christian yes it'll be hard but how has what you've heard this morning encouraged you perhaps to do that and maybe you're here and you're longing for deliverance a better way a better future a way out can I say that this future reality can be yours two just by believing in jesus and the first step starts by exploring by looking deeper into it and 
you know, we heard, didn't we, earlier, there is a hyper-explored course running. Have you thought about doing that? This is the strapline. A joyful expectation of the future based on true events of the past that changes my present. Perhaps think about doing that. So tree of life, hope of eternal salvation. And then thirdly and lastly, lastly to finish, servants of life, the hope of God's supreme kingly presence. Just look down with me, verse 3. Read with me. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There'll be no more night. There'll be no need there will be no need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. It's the future picture of the servants of life, of Christians with eternal life in the new creation, the future hope of being with God in his supreme kingly presence forever. And just some of the details, let's just unpack. No longer any curse. There was a curse that came in, in Genesis 3, because of sin. This future, there will be no curse. It's the bigger and better Eden. There will be no Satan. Revelation 20, a couple of chapters before, he'll be dealt with. You know, I was saying earlier, wasn't I, about the, just the muscle memory and our sinful natures and how we struggle. One of the issues is Satan, the accuser, the deceiver, the one who lies, the one who tempts us. And, our, you know, our hearts, they, 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 they fall for it. He will be no more. The serpent crusher promised in Genesis 3.15. He has defeated Satan and he will be gone forever. I always wondered why was Satan depicted as a snake um, in the original um, garden. We never had a chance as a snake. He didn't have a leg to stand on. (laughs) Be encouraged by that. And then you see the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. We'll be able to enjoy his kingly presence and serve him and it won't be a wrestling match. Perfect obedience rather than failing him and feeling guilty when we do that or resisting and rebelling. We know in this world, sometimes it feels like a battle of the wills. Parents will know this. Why don't they just do... You know, youth here listening, you know, why don't they just allow me to... It's a battle of the wills, isn't it? It's how it feels like in uh, the homes. And adults know this, you know, authority figures and so on. So-and-so says, do I really have to do that? Or we, we do it grumpily. Yeah, we don't want to do it deep down. We're rebelling, aren't we? But think of the time where there won't be the battle of the wills. And we get, we get a few glimpses of that, isn't it? Like, uh, sometimes, you know, in families, you know, it does, okay, one will, one goal, one purpose. You know, as a church, uh, united, as elders, you're united, as, you know, when you're like, right, this is what we're going to do. Uh, working at, or just teams, mate, sports teams you're part of. Um, whatever it is, work teams that you're a part of. One goal, one will, one purpose. How does that feel? It's great, isn't it? And you serve one another and you get on with it and you do it. Now imagine that to the nth degree. No discord, no disunity. 
but serving him forever and ever. Picture that, imagine that, remember that, dream that, live that, share that. May that spur us on. And then as servants, we will see him face to face. In the original garden, it was blocked. Humanity could not be with the supreme God. But as Christians, see, we can make this our verse. We can say, we will see him face to face. I don't know if you've ever imagined what it would be like in heaven to, to be with Jesus, to see God face to face there it's going to be brilliant. I can't imagine, but I can't wait. And some of you um, will, um, will get there before me, and it's going to be brilliant. Imagine that. His name will be on their foreheads. Christians here can make that ours. His name will be on our foreheads. Because we belong to him, we're part of his family. That's what it means to be a Christian. It's not just that we're following and doing, but we belong as a part of God's family. You think about the bride whose uh, name changes, her surname changes because she's gotten married. She's part of a new family. You think of um, orphans who are adopted into a family and their surname changes and everything changes, doesn't it? They can call the person, the parents who's, who've adopted them, father, mother. Perhaps there are other siblings. They can call them brother, sister. And the inheritance, everything that belongs to that family, it then becomes, it's a guarantee, it's their inheritance as well. So all the things you see that are promised will be ours in the hope that is to come. And then you see there will be no more night, no need for a light or the sun or the moon. Just as there will be no more sea, which is the region of lawlessness, so in the new creation, no night. And that's why you don't need lights governing it, like the moon and the stars. And the absence of night, it reflects the fact that the gates can remain perpetually open, never needing to be shut against attack or intruder. Imagine a world without evil. Wouldn't that be great? That's the reason, is it, for locks and security and alarms and video cameras and guards and defence systems because of the threats of violence, of intruders, of attack and war. In the new creation, there will be no need for that, no evil. And they will reign with him forever and ever. We will reign with the supreme king. You know, unlike the times where we, we don't look after God's creation particularly well because of our selfish desires we exploit, destroy, waste the resources and the blessings that day we will rule with him as we were meant to with integrity and righteousness and justice and selflessness the way we were made what amazing awesome blessings of the promised inheritance that we will be able to enjoy in all their fullness so let the river, the tree, the servants be the hope of spiritual substance, eternal salvation and God's supreme kingly presence. Let that hope as we look forwards that we'll enjoy in all their fullness, sustain our faith, enable us to endure 
patiently and motivate us. Be the engine. Today, this week, this month, this year. To witness, to share this awesome message we have to a world that is really longing for fulfilment, for deliverance, for hope of a better future, confidently. You know, that, I mean, you had, um, it was a short interview um, of All Nations Church, but that, that's the way, that's why we left. We really miss you guys. We really do. But we, you know, we're going to have an entire eternity with you. And this life is short. And we went there because there are people there really looking for hope. And, you know, I occasionally look at your website and I hear prayer news and so on. And we pray for you. We've had a week of prayer. We've been praying for you. It's really exciting hearing the things uh, happening. You know, new faces uh, that I can see here. But all the things there um, that weren't there before from the bereavement journey to the warm space. You know, hope explored. The cap money. And a potential new church plant. Why do we do all these things? It's really hard, isn't it? It's really hard work. But why do we do it? Well, Revelation 22. That's why we do it. Let that be the motivators for our mission. And not that we keep our heads buried like this in our situations and our circumstances, but we look up to the future. As we do that, you know, we see this glory. That we don't just know it and believe it, but think it and feel it and dream it and imagine it. And what do we want? Our friends, our loved ones, our neighbours, our families, our colleagues, we want them to know of this fulfilment and deliverance and hope and we want to be with them don't we in the future let this be what sustains and strengthens our faith as we journey and get one step closer and closer to see him face to face when we reign with him in glory let's take a moment of quiet Uh, just reflecting deeply in our hearts about something that's uh, challenged you, stirred you, encouraged you, assured you, comforted you, and then we'll pray. Father, we thank you so much for this uh, glorious future uh, hope that we have as a church and um, as Christians of the enduring spiritual sustenance, the eternal salvation, and your supreme kingly uh, presence that the tree, the river, the servant symbolise. Lord, we... um, Uh, long for that day and may that be uh, the vision as we keep our heads up and look at that look at that that our hearts our desires and our affections may be gripped by that first and foremost that may sustain our faith and drive us that we may be motivated uh, to tell others of this glorious hope. Lord, we thank you so much for the salvation that we have in the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus 
Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.